0: guys go ahead and have a seat welcome and good morning and happy new year congratulations you made it to 2022 we all did it and we're here and it's here welcome once again my name is jake and i serve on staff here at village as the youth director and i'm just so excited to be able to open god's word with you all this morning quickly if you are a student in the room sixth to twelfth grade or you are the parent of a sixth to twelfth grader I just want to let you know, we do not have youth tonight. So youth is not on tonight. We are launching again next week from 6.30 to 8. If you're not a part of our youth group, please come out and be a part of what God is doing at Village Students. We have camp signups going on right now. We've got a ton of events coming up for the winter, and so we want you to be a part of that. Come out 6.30 to 8 next Sunday and see all that God is doing at Village Students. But we are here with the new year, and it is an amazing time of year. Because it's what most people consider a new beginning. But the truth of that is actually that it may be a new beginning in some ways, but not fully. Because honestly, you still are the same person that you were on December 31st. You still have the same problems and probably the same worries and same fears. Unless something radically changed, you probably still have the same job that you're going to go to tomorrow unless the apocalypse happens. Where did that come from? Uh, who knows? But Richmond's going to go crazy. We all know that. But you have the same issues and the same problems and the same worries. So it really is the same person that you were then. It's just a new year. But what I love about the new year is that it's a time each year where we can take a deeper look at our lives. We can assess the places where we think we're succeeding and failing. We can say, what do we need to take out of our lives? And what do we actually need to put into our lives? And we can start to work through that. Maybe over the Christmas holiday, you've thought about it and you said, man, I ate one too many seconds, right? (laughs) Or maybe if you're like me, you just said the whole year I ate one too many seconds. Like that was just my life for the year. And so you say, I really need to change something. So what you did was last night, you got on the Crunch Fitness website and you went on there, you filled out the application, paid your dues, and you're gonna go tomorrow morning, probably not because of snow, right? Can't help it. Ah, gotta wait till Tuesday. (laughs) But we do that, right? Maybe you looked at your budget, looked at your credit card statements, and you saw how many times the word Chick-fil-A appeared, and you said, I really, I really got to do something about this. I really got to cut back. Maybe I need to do some meal prepping. Maybe I need to just learn how to use the crock pot that's sitting in the corner, whatever that may be, that you started looking into things like that. Maybe you realized last year, I don't even think I read a book And so you got an Amazon gift card for Christmas and you said, I'm gonna read a book a week uh, this year. But that's not gonna happen, by the way. Uh, I just wanna tell you, uh, start somewhere though. So you go on there and you buy a book from Amazon. You said, I'm gonna start reading this book and I'm gonna be a reader this year. You see, we all have things like this and other things that we can relate to. And these aren't actually bad things at all. I think these are all things that if you implemented them into your life, you would be better for them. But tragically, most of us, We'll actually never follow through on any of these New Year's resolutions that we make. Because the truth is that cookies taste better than broccoli. Amen? Amen. Uh, For the most part. Unless you're crazy. The other thing is in Richmond, we have too many Chick-fil-A's. So it doesn't matter where you go. You can't escape them. And sometimes you just really want some hot waffle fries and some nugs. Okay? I understand that about you. And it's okay. And finally, Disney Plus just keeps putting out new shows, and you're stuck in an infinite loop, and so the reading may go down the tubes there as well. But friends, the reason I believe we do this is ultimately because of one thing, and that word is something I'm going to talk about this morning, and that word is power. That I truly believe that we will change something in our lives only when we believe whatever we are doing will have a more powerful impact on our lives than the alternative. And so today I want to talk to you about the power of God's Word, that of all the New Year's resolutions you can make, the one I hope you walk away today with is one saying, I want to read God's Word and know His Word more this year than I've ever known in my life. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. If you look at me with Romans 1.16, we're going to start there. The verse says this, says, "'For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation.'" To everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Point number one this morning, the power of the gospel is the Bible. The power of the gospel is the Bible. Here in the opening of Paul's letter to this church at Rome, we see him say something that is absolutely spectacular and is the best news we could hear. That the gospel is the power of God for salvation. If you're a Christian in this room today, I hope that you could look at that and say, Amen, Jake, I'm with you. That the power of God is in the gospel. That that is the truth of who God is. That the gospel is the tool that God has chosen to use to bring about salvation to anyone who would believe. And that's why it's the power of God. That the gospel is so powerful that it has the ability to change anyone from a sinner that is completely away from God into a son or daughter of the living king. That's the power of the gospel that we believe in as Christians. And that's good news for any of us. That God can redeem even the worst of us. And many of us, that's our story. We feel like we're the worst, and yet God still chose to redeem us. And that's the beauty of the gospel. Yet this is where I do have to pause, and I have to talk about that word gospel Because I think we get this wrong so many times. Many of us, when I say the word gospel, you immediately think of four things. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because those are the four Gospels, okay? So that you, you say it for a reason. They're, they're literally called Gospels. So that's where you start. In those Gospels, you see the birth of Jesus. You see the life of Jesus. You see the death of Jesus. Then you see his resurrection. Then the rest of the Old Test, or the New Testament is filled with how God is building his church, leading to ultimately how he wins in the end. And so typically, when we think of the Gospel, we're going to start in Matthew, but I think we do that to the detriment of our souls. You see, that word gospel in the original language actually just means good news. And that's what it is to us, right? That it's good news to know that Jesus is king and that we can know him as Lord. But that good news did not start in Matthew 1.1. That good news actually is the story that God has been writing throughout all of history. So I don't want to start us in Matthew 1.1. I want to take us all the way back and say that the gospel starts in Genesis 1, 1, where God says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And friends, that is gospel. That is good news, because that means we have a God who is creator and sustainer of all life, that we see through that account that God creates all things, but then he creates us as mankind in his own image, that we're the only thing in all of creation that bears the image of God. And that makes us unique. That makes us prized in God's eyes. And yet Adam and Eve, as image bearers, commit cosmic treason against him. That they fall, they go into sin. But yet God in his mercy looks at them and he promises one to come who would crush the head of the serpent who tempted them. And then you have the rest of the Old Testament, which is filled with accounts of God's faithfulness and his power It's filled with prophecies about this Messiah that was to come that God promised all the way back in Genesis 3. And they're longing and waiting for this Messiah to come. And it's only after all of this that we see the birth of Jesus and the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But when you leave out the Old Testament from your definition of the gospel, it's like starting Lord of the Rings at movie 3. It's not going to make a whole lot of sense. You're missing out on the majority of the story. And the truth is, if you don't see the entire story, then you don't see the completeness of the gospel. That it's only the complete gospel when it's the entirety of the story which God was writing. And friends, that story is not Matthew to Revelation, it's Genesis to Revelation. And that should change the way that we read our Bible. Yet, Jesus is still the cornerstone of the gospel. And this is what I wanted to read in John 1, 1 through 4. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. You see, friends, sometimes we don't make this connection, but in Genesis 1.1, this text in John tells us that Jesus is the word, and that word is God. Therefore, Jesus is the God of Genesis 1-1. He is the creator God who made the heavens and the earth. He's the one that was creating and sustaining the world in which one, one day he would reside. That Jesus created Adam and Eve, who he would one day take the place of on the cross. That he knit them together. And then ultimately, Jesus turns to Satan in the garden, and he tells him that his death is imminent. And he knows that because he's going to be the one to do it that he's going to be the one to kill him. that he's going to be the one ultimately to defeat sin, defeat death, and to reign forever. But you don't know that without John 1, but also it points right back to Genesis 1. Do you see how it all comes together? Also in Hebrews, you see the same thing. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. Long ago, and many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And here's what I want you to see about this text. It's easy to skip over this truth in this passage, but look at it again. Look at the way it describes the Old Testament and look at the way it describes Jesus. That it doesn't put Jesus's words way up here and the Old Testament way down here. No, it says all of it's from God. That it says long ago, God spoke through the prophets, gospel, but now Most recently, God has spoken through his son, the most pivotal part of it all. Why? Because he is God in the flesh appearing before us. But the author of Hebrews says the Old Testament is still vital because it is God speaking to us. And so therefore, it's on the same platform. And the son, though, that the author of Hebrews talks about here, he is the Lord of all and the creator God. You see, the gospel has always been about Jesus, but that includes the Old Testament. But I know for some of you, you may still not be convinced on the Old Testament. I want to encourage you with one more passage to look at, and that's Luke 24. This passage is interesting because Jesus has risen from the dead, and he's walking down the road to Emmaus, and he runs into two followers of his. Now, at this point, Jesus is cloaking his identity, so they actually don't know that it's Jesus. And so they are talking about what's just happened with Jesus being crucified. And so Jesus walks up to him and says, Hey, guys, what are you talking about? And they go, what are you talking about? Are you kidding me? Are you serious? What are we talking about? Do you not know what's been happening? And Jesus, being how he is, I appreciate this. He's like, no, I have no idea. Please tell me what's going on. What's been happening? Like, well, there's this guy named Jesus and he claimed to be the Messiah that was going to rescue Israel. But then all of a sudden things got bad and they actually crucified him and he was dead. But then two of the ladies that we know went to the tomb this morning. And all of a sudden, he wasn't there anymore. And angels appeared to him and said that he had risen from the dead. And we have no clue what is going on right now. And then Jesus says this. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them, in all the scriptures the things concerning himself see later on in the story you see that jesus sits down for a meal with them and when they're breaking bread they finally realize that it's jesus and he disappears because he's jesus right but just imagine the conversation after that that those followers said do you realize that the god of the universe just took us through his word step by step of how he did it all and how amazing that was friends i love that passage but i love it because it's clear that the Old Testament is the gospel because it declared who Jesus was and therefore it is vital to your life. But more than that, you know that Jesus doesn't stop with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, that that story is what Jesus wants to do in every single one of your lives, that he wants to take you through the Old Testament and all the passages about him and he wants to show you through the Holy Spirit who he is and why that matters for your life, that it didn't stop with them, he wants to do it with you as well so ultimately, it's only through the entire Bible that we see the complete story of God. And this power of God through the gospel is only found in the Bible because it's the only place that we can go and see God's redemptive story unfold. And so we have to start there. We have to say that the gospel is Genesis to Revelation. But then we have to go from that to take another step in our discipleship. And that's point number two this morning. God will use the Bible to change your life. God will use the Bible to change your life. Hebrews four, twelve through 13 says this, For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. See, through this passage, the author of Hebrews gives us a glimpse into the supernatural work that God wants to do in our hearts through his word. But I want to take us through a couple of things that he says here. The first thing he says is that God's word is living. You see, what that means is that this Bible you hold in your hand is not some ancient document that holds no value today, but that as long as God is ruling and reigning the world, that this is relevant that this is true, that this is alive, because it's God speaking about what's gonna come, what's already happened, and who he is. Friends, that God's word is alive. But not only is it alive, it says it's active. And this word active, when I looked into it, I love this, that the original word means active, but it also means effective, that it means that God is going to work through a living document, something that's not dead, something that's fully alive because he is alive and he is reigning, that God's gonna work through that and anything he wants to accomplish through his word, nothing's gonna stop him. That it will accomplish everything that he desires for it to do in your life, in my life, in history, and he will do everything he said. And here's how I know that. Isaiah 55, 11 says this, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word will do what he says it will do. But then we get to the part that's difficult. The writer says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow. It leaves us naked and exposed. You see, this description of God's word shows us how invasive it is to our lives that it ultimately shows us that when you read God's word, you cannot get very far without encountering something that's going to affect your life, that hits you in a certain way. Whether that be that you're trying to make a decision in your life that's vital to what your future holds. Maybe it's a sin that you've been struggling with that no one else knows about, but that God's word just reveals to you in that moment exactly what that sin is. Maybe it's a false belief that you've had about God that God so clearly says in that passage who he is and why you were wrong in that moment. Can I tell you that this still happens to me all the time? I just, like many of you probably, I just started another Bible reading plan because it's the first of the year. It's always in Genesis. And I love in Genesis three, when you have Adam and Eve fallen creatures, what does God do? God goes, Adam, where are you? He goes and seeks them out. Not only that, but he gives them the hope of one to come that will correct what they failed in. There would be one that would succeed where they failed. And then what does God do? He clothes them. He protects them. And he gives them another life and another chance. Friends, when I look at that, I say, what a wonderful God I serve. That in the moment that his creation failed him, he looks at them and he says, I still love you and I care for you so much I'm going to send my son to die in your place. That's Genesis 3. Imagine what the rest of it's got. It's amazing. But ultimately, God's word cuts through our hardened hearts and reveals to us what God wants us to know about him. You see, when we open God's word and we actually aren't just reading the words, we're actually trying to engage it and trying to understand it. It's like God is a surgeon and he has a scalpel and what he's gonna do is he's exposing our sin. He's exposing that disease that is riddling us and crippling us in fear, depression, anxiety, whatever it may be. And it's killing our souls. This is what the author of Hebrews means when he says it exposes our thoughts and intentions as if we're naked. It's saying that we are left with nothing. We're confronted with who we truly are. We can't run from it anymore. We can ignore it. We can say God's not right, but we can't say that he didn't say it. That we're confronted with who we actually are. But yet as the great physician, our God doesn't leave us there. See, the beauty of the gospel is that God doesn't just leave you on the table bleeding out, but instead as the great physician, he binds your wounds. He takes your brokenness and takes the disease out of you. He removes it and he breathes new life into you as his child. See, the psalmist echoes this truth in Psalm 19:7 through 9. It says, "The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul; the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple; the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart; the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes; the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever." And the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. See, friends, God's word first revives your soul. That in the moments when you feel in the greatest despair, it is a book you can go to and find the life of God on every single page because it is his breath. It revives us. It gives you wisdom. I love this one because I never have considered myself the smartest person on planet Earth. Some of you may have. I have not. But God gives us supernatural wisdom through his word. I don't care where you're at, if you think you're the smartest or dumbest person that's ever lived, that God through his Holy Spirit will give you wisdom and help you to know how to follow him. And that's the truth of God's word, that he gives you wisdom. It gives you joy. Sometimes that's just the only thing I need when I go to God's word. Anybody else there? That I just need to see the joy of God and remember the joy that I have in my salvation. That I can look and remember the faithfulness of God to everyone that I see in the Bible. And I can remember that that's the same God that's walking before and behind me. But fourth, it opens your eyes. It doesn't leave you in your sin, but it exposes who you are. And it shows you what God desires for your life. And fifth, it endures forever. That his word will never fade away, even when we do. That it will never, ever fail. And friends, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a life-altering course of events for any single person to experience. And I truly believe God's word has the power to change us. But my question for you is, do you? Do you believe that God's word has the power to change you so much that you're willing to dive into it this year? You see, if we believe that, though, we can't simply be people who read the word. You see, being someone who just reads the word but never applies it is like the person, and I've been guilty of this one, uh, that always just says, I really need to work out, right? Right? So I really need to work. That's all they ever say. They're like, oh, man, you're you're so right. I really need to work out. really need to work out. You're a discipleship group. Their prayer request is, I just really need to lose some weight. Um, But then you get to the end of the year, and they're like, I gained 40 pounds. How did that happen? And I'm like, well, you ate too many Cheetos. Uh, You never went to the gym. And I don't even think you have a gym membership. And you never changed, did you eat grilled chicken? Like, did you do anything? No, why? Because they talked about it and they talked and talked and talked about it, but they never actually did anything to change anything. They never actually took a step of faith to do something about it. And that's a dumb example, but ultimately with God, we do the same thing. That we'll take this book and we'll read it every single day and then we'll look at our lives and be like, I don't know why God's moving. Why isn't God moving in my life? It's because we're never applying it. Why would God move in something that we're not applying? That we have to actually apply this to our lives. And that's what James 1 tells us. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. See friends, the good news I have for you this morning is right now that you have more access to God's word than we've ever had in history. Whether you're old school like me at times using this, it's a regular Bible for those that don't know, especially in the later generations. Uh, Like this is real, like you can just hold it. But also you have version on your phones, okay? and you have something that will remind you to read the Bible, okay? It's fantastic, but we have to take advantage of those things, that you have the tools that you need, that you have the tool that you need to change. The one tool that God gave us to know him, to obey him, to live his mission, and to know him more, God has given us. And he tells us this process won't be easy at times. As Hebrews tells us, it's gonna cut through us. But when we truly grasp what God is saying and that we allow him as the great physician to give us surgery, to take out the sin, to, sh- to show us what that is and to heal us. And if we truly say that we want to take what God's word says and not just say we believe it, but actually live this out on a day-to-day basis, there's only one result that comes from that, friends. And that's life transformation. That's the only result. That's it. That That is the end goal of what we're doing here that your life will be radically transformed by the gospel. But friends, you have to be all in to do that. But as good of news as this is, God doesn't want to end there. You see that he doesn't want us to just know the entire gospel. He doesn't just want it to affect us and radically change us. That God wants us to take that and then take that to other people. And so point number three this morning, the Bible is God's tool for making disciples. The Bible is God's tool for making disciples. Paul in his last letter to Timothy gives us a glimpse into all the applications of God's word, not only for us personally, but for everyone that we will disciple or come in contact with. It says the Second Timothy three, sixteen through seventeen. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I want you to notice, friends, real quick, verse 16, all Scripture is breathed out by God. That means all of it. All means all, right? But ultimately, Scripture is useful in this passage for a few things. The first is teaching, that Scripture is God's Word is our ultimate source for teaching others solid Christian doctrine. It's how we know that we have proper doctrine. It's how we know that we're believing the right things about God, that we're not reading outside sources. We're taking it directly from the source himself, which is God. But second, reproof, that God's word shows us errors we have in our lives. Whether we want to know them or not, God's word will reveal to you places where you are failing him. But what I love is the next one, correction, that God's word doesn't leave us in our error. He doesn't just tell us you're wrong and say, good luck figuring it out. No, his word tells us this is how you can honor and obey me in every situation. And fourth, training in righteousness the God's word gives us the tools by which we can grow in our relationship with Jesus that results in us being transformed into righteous living and ultimately life change that looks like our king who ransomed us. But notice what Paul says there, the end goal is, that the man of God would be complete. They'd be lacking in nothing. And this doesn't mean that God's gonna give you all the money and all the wealth and all the fame you could want. But what it's saying is everything that you actually need that you don't believe that you need, God's word and understanding that and reflecting on that and knowing who Jesus is, that is what's gonna make you complete. And you will be lacking in nothing that you actually need and your life will be fulfilled. And this is why when we talk about discipleship groups here at Village, we encourage you to focus your time on reading God's word primarily in your groups. That if you're not in a discipleship group this morning, I would love to talk to you about that and get you connected to a discipleship group. But if you are, you've heard us say this. And the reason we say that is not because we don't like John Piper books or whoever else you wanna say. It's not because any of the books in our library that we have out there are bad. I would actually encourage all of you to pick one up and read it. It's helpful. It's supplemental. It's something good for you to understand God's word. But what we quickly do in Christianity today is we will take all of these books and all of these good things and we'll replace God's word with that. And we never give God's word the room to breathe, to be able to actually move in us and change us. And I think that's the the part that we truly miss out on because it's amazing to me what happens when you just open God's word with one another and read it. See, this year in Village Students, it was just a random Sunday night. Wasn't anything spectacular. I gave a call for people to come to know Jesus. And after the sermon, a high school guy came up to me and he broke down. He accepted Jesus in that moment. And I love those moments because that's what keeps me going. But in that moment, I asked him, I said, hey, dude, have you ever actually read through the Bible? And he said, not really. I said, well, do you want to read with me? And so I said, let's start in the book of John. So we read through the book of John. I said, hey, text me any questions you have. Let's read through it together. I want to walk you through it. So we went through the whole book of John. I said, hey, dude, how did, what did you think of it? He's like, man, like that actually helped me. Like this helped me understand more of who God is. Like I understand now more of what Jesus came to do and why he did what he did. And I now understand more of what Jesus wants for my life. And I said, That's cool. I said, you want to read another book of the Bible? He said, sure. I was like, all right, let's let's read Luke. Let's read another gospel. And so we read that one. I said, how was that? Great. Perfect. You want to do another one? Yeah. So right now we're on the book of Acts and we're going to keep going. But friends, let me tell you, when I did that, notice I didn't do a 12-step discipleship process that was written over 400 pages in a book, right? I didn't go and I I didn't use all this big theological terms and all these ideas. No, what did I do? I said, hey dude, you want to read the Bible together? And what did God do? God works in that. Why? Because he wrote it. Why would he not work through it? And that should be enough for us. And I believe this is what Paul is telling Timothy, that God works through his word because it's living and active. Therefore, friends, the best way that we can disciple others is by simply believing that God's word is powerful enough, that God it will work through his Holy Spirit if we just open, read together, and study it and try to follow Jesus together, that that's the most beneficial thing we can do. Allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that only he can do through his word. And that's exactly what Jesus commands us to do in his last thing he commands before he ascends into heaven. This is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Says, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. See, in that passage, we focus on a lot of things, but I think there's one thing in there that we miss constantly. And that's the truth that Jesus says that we need to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. That is a call from Jesus himself that we are in our discipleship with other people to teach them all that God has told us. And if we look at the gospel and we only have half of it down, then that means there's a whole nother half that we really need to study, that we need to see the Bible for what it is, which is Genesis to Revelation. It's all the gospel. It's all God's word. And that we need to know it so that we can put that into other people's lives and see them disciple other people from that. But friends, it all starts with the process of believing that God's word is what it says that it is, which is true. And that Jesus will use his word to advance his mission and his kingdom. So friends, there's many things you can do this year to improve your life. For those of you that make New Year's resolutions, I hope that you do all of them. I really do. I hope that you succeed in what you do. But if you succeed in all those and you never open up God's word, you have failed. So the one thing I pray and hope for each of you is that you will walk out of this room this morning saying in 2022, I want to know Jesus more than I ever have before. And that starts with me diving in this book and allowing for God to work through it and to change me. Four application points real quickly. First, make reading God's word a priority. Make reading God's word a priority. You see, in your life, you have so many things going on. I understand that. What I did one day that was super helpful was I just laid out a calendar and I wrote down everything I do in a week including when I watch TV, when I do anything. And let me tell you, that'll open up your eyes to a bunch of time that you didn't know you had, all right? But let me tell you, if you don't plan to read God's word, you probably won't, that it needs to be something you plan to do and that you do every single day, that you need to make it a priority in your life. Second, allow God's word to pierce your heart. Allow God's word to pierce your heart. You see, don't just sit there and read your plan and check the box on your version app on your phone. Instead, sit there and read it. Continue to read it. Reflect on it. Memorize it. Say, God, what are you trying to teach me through this passage? Allow it to hit you in the heart. But third, be a doer of the word. Be a doer of the word. Don't just leave there and not apply what you've learned. But let it pierce your heart. But then go and apply that to your life. Start to live out these passages that you read and see God change your life. And fourth, open God's word with others consistently. Open God's word with others consistently. Church, I truly believe that God will do an amazing work if we will simply just open his word and disciple one another through his word. But we have to do it and we have to do it consistently. We have to commit to discipling each other. We have to commit to discipleship groups and community group and all of these things to be able to do these things together. But ultimately in all of this, the goal is life change, But even more importantly than that, the goal is for Jesus to be glorified and for us to be able to advance his mission. But friends, like I said, in 2022, make this your year that you decide that you are going to read God's word more, that you're going to know it and learn it, and then you're going to teach that to others more than any year in your life. And I guarantee God will use that for his glory.